The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, uh, my family over the years has enjoyed Disneyland a couple of different times, and it's so fun to look back at the pictures of certain eras of their lives, what ages they were, and go into places like that. But one of my favorite areas of Disneyland is Frontierland. Anybody been to Frontierland? I love it over there. My favorite ride is Thunder Mountain Railroad because it's the kind of roller coaster an old man can endure. Uh, There's something about... I know, honestly, there's something about the other rides where there's like loops and all this stuff that I get really sick really easy, but Thunder Mountain Railroad, I can, I can manage. So anyway, Frontierland, though, that's themed around the Pixar movie Up. Anybody seen the movie Up? Um, some of us have. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a hilarious movie. Um, it's super, actually uh, got some points where you're almost in tears um, as Mr. and Mrs. Fredrickson, you know, get married and all that stuff. But anyway, um, there's basically a boy named Russell who's a wilderness explorer. And uh, Russell has this whole sash full of badges and a wilderness explorer is the Pixar version of like Boy Scouts or whatever. So if you've ever been a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout, this is what we're talking about. And you get certain badges, you know, all over. Well, he's got one spot on his sash where his final badge that he needs to get is a badge that's called assisting the elderly. And so he shows up on Mr. Fredrickson's doorstep, knocks on the door, and, and Mr. Fredrickson is kind of a rough around the edges, older guy, kind of gruff, and he kind of opens the door, and, and Russell starts in reading his script. Good afternoon, my name is Russell, and I'm a wilderness explorer from Tribe 54, you know, anyway, uh, and, and he kind of gives this whole speech, and of course, he talks about, you know, he wants to assist the elderly. Can I help you, you know, get your newspaper? No, can I help you across your porch? Oh, I gotta help you somehow. And of course, as the movie continues, there's all kinds of things that are hilarious. Why do I bring this up today? Because in life, we're all trying to earn badges. Now, they may not be actual badges that you embroider on a sash or whatever, but every single one of us, if you think about it, is trying to earn some kind of badge. And maybe it's an accolade from somebody or a group or something. Maybe it's a reputation. Maybe it's a certain milestone. Maybe it's a goal. Goal. Excuse me. It can take the form of okay, the the I got married badge, or the you know I bought a house badge, or um, I've been sober for a year, or five years, or ten years, or whatever that that kind of badge, or or maybe it's the I want to travel to a certain place, and you do it, and you you got that badge. I've been there, I've done that, I love it. Kind of the bucket list idea. The other side of the equation is that there are badges, of course, that that we don't want, but we've earned anyways. And those badges can look, and there's all kinds of examples, but we blew our top and now we're the angry guy badge. Or, or the, uh, you know, been divorced three times badge. Or here's one for me. I used to pride myself on being pretty decent at technology a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And now, again, I'm the old guy that in the office when something's wrong, I gotta get somebody that's younger to fix whatever's going on because I don't know how. And so that's the, uh, you know, bad at technology badge. I've had in my life the aggressive driver badge. Anybody else want to admit shamelessly, shamefully that, that you have that badge? Years ago, I was talking about driving and I referred to myself as aggre- decently aggressive. And uh, it's, I'm not proud of it and it's a badge that I don't like. So, but uh, if you're a follower of Christ and you've been in Christ for any length of time, you've probably earned the hypocritical Christian badge. And again, not an excuse to to sort of do things wrong, but the truth is we don't all operate perfectly all the time. As we begin this series downtime, I wanna discuss a badge that feels important 
or a badge that makes us look successful, but the badge could be ruining our lives without us knowing it. And I would call it the badge of busyness. And it's an epidemic in our world where we're so busy and sometimes busy feels important and sometimes busy, like I said, makes us kind of give, we have the successful badge or whatever, but busyness is not a badge that we should wear with pride without understanding the consequences of what that can do to you and to me. When I was in, uh, I went to Pilchuck, I graduated in 93 and in 92, 93, I had a class with a lady named Mrs. Rowley. Now, Mrs. Rowley was the mom of a friend of ours, so I grew up with them, Mr. and Mrs. Rowley, and Mrs. Rowley taught a class called Senior Civics. And in Senior Civics, it was kind of all these kind of life principles things, how to learn life beyond college or whatever. And I remember one day she said, what I want everyone to do, here's your homework, I want everybody to pick a song that represents them, and I want you to come, I want you to play it and then explain why this song represents you. And I thought that's a pretty meaningful activity. For whatever reason in that class though, that's the one main thing I remember. And I don't remember what song I chose. I'm sure today I would be humiliated by it. But I remember she shared hers. And her song went like this. <clears throat> Slow down, you move too fast. You gotta make the moment last. You guys know, some of you heard this song, okay? Uh, kicking down the cobblestones, looking for fun and feeling groovy. But I remember her talking about, that was my audition for the worship team. And um, <laughs> Hunter keeps saying no, so I'm gonna keep taking voice lessons. And um, I haven't, never taken one, but you're like, I know that, okay. Um, but I remember when she played that song and what she basically said was, I love this song because, and she began to explain how as you get beyond high school, the weight becomes heavier of the things that you bear. The seriousness of life becomes heavier and the pace of life seems to speed up. But this song reminds her to slow down. And that's the whole premise really of this series, how to slow down when life moves fast because life doesn't seem to be getting slower for any of us. Life doesn't seem to be slowing down for any of us unless we can be intentional about that conversation. In fact, I bring this up today on a dedication Sunday because here's what I know. I have four children and every one of them now is beyond elementary age, middle school, high school, and college. And I look back and go, where did that time go? And I don't know what it is about what happens. And maybe it's just me and a few of us in here, but I look at my childhood and I feel like in my memory, it lasted forever. And I have all these memories of things we did and riding bikes and going to the pool and doing all the skating ring, all this stuff. And yet having now raised so many of our kids, our youngest is 11, gonna be 12 this year and in sixth grade, I'm like, where did all that time go? I think of, um, there's a, a country song by Trace Adkins. Anybody, the song, You're Gonna Miss This? Transparency, I listened to that song for the first time again uh, last week when I was putting my notes together and I was crying in my office like, oh my word, what's wrong with me, you know? <laughs> but I was, it's, it's that whole thing of like, you wanna grow up so fast or you, you're so stressed out about having kids in the house all the time and, and, and the burden of it all the time. In fact, if they were just older, I remember having had four kids that are basically two and a half years apart each, four kids, I lived in a 10 year fog. Because for 10 years, once you finally get one potty trained and they get on some sort of sleep cycle around two or three years old, you have another one. You're like, what are you thinking? Why do you keep doing this to yourself? And so having had, again, four kids, it was 10 years because something about children that you may not know is this, they get up when the sun comes up. And in summer, it's horrible. 
You're like, it is not morning because it's 4.45 and the sun's coming up. We still have like eight hours to go, you know, or whatever. So not really, but it's that whole thing of like, man, they don't get it. And you feel tired. And I lived in a fog for 10 years. I finally got my life back recently. Just kidding. Kids, if you're listening to this, I love you. I know I said it earlier, I gotta repeat it. I, I love this quote from Sandra Stanley. Uh, I mentioned Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley. I love them both, great teachers of scripture. Sandra Stanley um, said this once, and I, I don't think it could be put better than this. The days are long, but the years are short. Right? There are days where I just gotta get through this day, just get through this week. And yet looking back for almost probably all of us, while the days are long, the years are short. Where did that go? Where did that time go? We have a story from Jesus that I wanna look at in, in, like I said, Luke chapter 10, that I think we can learn from when it comes to you and I being busy. And it says in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. In fact, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus, um, I, I pray as we navigate in, in Luke 10 here, this story, and, and hopefully look at our own lives that we're able to reflect, we're able to do some inventory. And my prayer is that we will be open to the conviction of your spirit, that God, we can realize what's going on. We can realize and identify some of these patterns that aren't healthy. And I pray they could be broken today. I pray, Father, we can leave here with a new commitment. I pray that some people would even be liberated, set free by your Holy Spirit from some of these patterns that while they may not understand it now, are ruining their health, are ruining their relationship, are ruining certain things about the life you want them to live. So help us all navigate this in Jesus' name, amen. So here we are in the gospel of Luke and, and we call it Luke, but, but the truth is it's Luke writing about the experiences and interviewing people that have been with Jesus and, and some of the stories that they went through. And Luke brings up this one in Luke 10 and it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. Now, this is the same Martha and Mary who have a brother named Lazarus. And this is kind of in Luke's gospel, the introduction to this, this, these individuals. They become close friends and later on, the shortest verse in the Bible will be penned, Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus. Of course, then we know in the story, uh, he, he prays and it goes to the tomb and Lazarus is raised from the dead. This is before that by, by a shot. And so here we have Martha and she invites Jesus to come. Jesus shows up with the disciples and, and they end up you know, kind of enjoying this fellowship together. But you'll notice that there's something going on that's meant to be a contrast for you and I to understand. And it says this, she had a sister called Mary and it says specifically, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. If you and I physically had Jesus show up at our house and come into our living room, first of all, there are some people in here where we would be like, oh no, is the carpet vacuumed? Oh no, did I clean the windows? Oh no, is this chair clean enough? Oh no, somebody pick up the laundry, somebody move those chairs, somebody get stuff straightened up because Jesus is coming. 
And that's kind of this Martha situation that's going on here. Martha is distracted by all these things that have to go on, but Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to what he has to say. Now, this could be a study in personality profiles, a study in, in how people are wired, but the truth is there are some lessons here that are meant for you and I to really consider. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And again, for you and I, when we find ourselves busy, do we stop to listen to what Jesus has to say to us? Do we stop and take in scripture and filter, as I've said, not just reading scripture, but letting scripture read us? It says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to Jesus. Man, I'm thinking, God, in the world that I live in, the business that I have, do I spend the kind of time I want to listening to what you have to say? Do I spend the kind of time I need to taking in scripture, inviting your spirit to do inventory in my soul? And if I'm completely honest, along with probably a lot of people in this room, I would say I'm not as satisfied as I need to be, or I'm not content with where I'm at when it comes to my prayer life, inviting the spirit to work in my life the way that I need to. It says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And then of course, Martha, verse 40, but, and here comes the but. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And, and by the way, that word distracted means to be pulled apart. Doesn't that describe a life of busyness? Doesn't that describe sometimes the task list that you've carried? Doesn't that describe so much so the world that we live in over and over? We wear busyness as a badge. And some of us would say, I don't wanna be so busy. This is just the weight that I carry. I don't want it to be this way. This is just the way it is. And I would say this, if you stopped to listen to the Holy Spirit in your life, would he say the same thing? Just is what it is. Yep, I created you to be too busy. I created you to be overwhelmed all the time. I created you to be chewed up by anxiety. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? No. So I say that because sometimes what you do is you make excuses for why this doesn't apply to you. You go, well, that's just my life. Is that what Jesus would say? No, there's no question in my heart that that is not what Jesus would say. So I wanna challenge you to take it a level deeper in your life and go, okay, God, if that's not what you would say to me, then how do I create, how do I choose the kind of life, the kind of rhythm that gets me in a place where I can actually be healthy and not wear busyness as a badge? Martha was distracted. Like I said, that means to draw or to pull apart. And it sounds so much like our lives. I think about how there's, there's in my life, there's personal email and there's work email. So I have two emails. If you sign up for Facebook, you automatically get messenger kicked right along with it. And I hate it because it's another kind of email account that you don't want. Some of you didn't even know that. There are people that have emailed you years ago. You're like, I didn't know that. Check it out. You'll be, I am so sorry. It's been years. I didn't know this existed. Love Nick, right? Instagram has the same thing a spot where people can send you personal messages. So you have those things. On top of that, you have text messages. And if you have more than one phone, because you have a personal phone and a work phone, you have two versions of text messages. On top of that, you have people that have the audacity to actually call you on the phone. Like, like it rings. <laughs> That's what that is. That's somebody calling you. And maybe you have a different noise or you have a song or whatever. People call you. And then if they don't get a hold of you, they take it a step further and they leave a voicemail. What a horrible thing. I don't have time to listen. Thankfully, 
on an iPhone, they figure out how to do dictation. You don't even have to listen. It shows up written out. Sometimes it doesn't spell things right and it's a mess, but it's trying. I tried to call my son last week, Jack, and, and I called him up. He didn't answer the phone. And I was like, I'm just gonna leave him a voicemail. And you know what it said? He let, hey, this is Jack. I can't answer my phone now. You know, get, get back to you some other time, whatever. And then it, mailbox is full. <laughs> my own son. But we have all of these on top of what we would refer to as snail mail. Stuff that actually comes in a box at your house, you get like stuff. There's all these ways of communication that we probably all struggle to keep up with. It's, it's funny because when, when they started talking about this idea of a smartphone, and some of you guys are like, they, they, there wasn't one? No, there used to not be one. There used to be a phone that had a cord and I remember at my grandma's house in Everett, she had the kind of phone that you pick it up and it had the cord and you do this. <laughs> Anybody remember those? They were a nightmare. And if you had zeros and nines in your number, you're a horrible person. You're like, can I just get ones and twos, please? Could that be my number somehow? But that used to be a phone. And now a phone has everything you can imagine on it. And they're called smartphones. And the idea was they're gonna make your life easier. Would anybody say that this thing makes your life easier? How many would say this, life, this thing makes your life more complicated, more busy, blurs more lines? Over and over, there's this idea. In fact, and I've referred to this before, there's a book I read years ago. I still love it today. It's called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. And in one of the chapters, he actually refers to this. I'm gonna read this. He says, Time Magazine noted that back in the 1960s, Expert testimony was given to a subcommittee of the Senate on time management. The gist was, due to advances in technology, within 20 years or so, people would have to cut back radically on how many hours a week they worked or how many weeks a year they worked, or they'd have to start retiring sooner. The great challenge, they said, would be figuring out what to do with all the excess time. Talk about missing it by a million miles. And that was from the 60s to the 80s. We're talking 40 years later, 2022, and there are not a lot of people going, what should I do with all this amazing free time I have? Because busyness. And John Ortberg quotes a guy named Carl Jung in that same chapter to say, busyness is not of the devil, busyness is the devil. Because, as Ortberg will say again in the chapter, it is impossible to hurry and to love at the same time. Think about that. It is impossible to hurry and to love at the same time. So here's Martha, and she's upset and distracted by, by all the preparations that, that need to be made. And, and I want you to notice, for her, th this whole idea of being distracted comes to a boiling point. And this happens for you and me because we're, we have all these, the, the, these responsibilities that we carry in all kinds of facets from career to family to personal. And there's all kinds of examples of the way this works out. And we feel the strain of it. And we manage it and we manage it and we manage it until we don't. We do great with it and we handle it and we manage it until we don't. And the until we don't is often something that will happen that everything blows up. 
You take on an addiction. You respond in a certain way in your marriage. You have a conversation with somebody that doesn't go the way you want it to and you blow up and the bridge is burned. And by the way, this is especially true in the world that we live in today, having come out of a, or coming through a pandemic. All kinds of ways that in our world, the temperature has been raised and I'm not talking about global warming. I'm talking about your ability and my ability and the ability of the average person all over the planet to, to operate naturally, normally in a healthy way has been severely diminished. Most of us in this room would say that over the last two and a half years, we've seen relationships become severed. We've seen things become broken. We felt the pain of loss and, and, and the, the uh, disagreement that goes on in our world that's caused such a tension in us. On top of you know, the anxiety of what is a pandemic financially, and you, know, we talk, you hear about recession and, and you know, uh, supply chain issues and wages, all these stresses that we carry, and you add all this conversation to it. And what happens is, in a conversation, let's say, where, where your response ought to, you know, in the, as far as emotional temperature, raised from a, a zero to, oh boy, I'm at a one or a two or whatever, we're, we're quickly at a seven or an eight or a 10. And we find ourselves lashing out in ways that aren't healthy. And it's especially true on social media. And I don't need to say that, you already know it. There are people that, that don't ever operate at a one or a two or a three on social media. They like live at a 10. Most of them we call trolls, but that's a side note. <laughs> Why do I bring all of this up? Because what happens when we're bent like that? What happens when we're busy like that? What happens when we carry that badge constantly? What happens is we respond in ways that, that, that we shouldn't. And we lash out in harsh ways that we regret. And that's exactly what Martha does. Look at the text. It says, but Martha, verse 40, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And what happens is she turns to Jesus. It says she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you, listen, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But that's not how she said it. Brace yourselves. I'm warning you in this room, if you're online, brace yourselves. Lord, she, she's adamant. Lord, don't you care? And listen, that's what you and I do. If we're coming to Jesus at all, in the moment of being overwhelmed and wearing business as a badge, Lord, don't you care? I'm overwhelmed. Lord, don't you care? And this isn't just 2,000 years ago. This is the world that we live in today. And if we come to prayer at all in a place that's unhealthy, Lord, don't you care? She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left everything to me and it's on my shoulders. And then with emphasis, tell her to help me. See, you read it in your devotion and you check it off and you move on. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to make all the preparations? <laughs> tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, your word is upset about so many things. She's chosen that which is better and it's not gonna be taken from her. And then we move on. She's ticked. Have you ever come to a boiling point and went, man, I'm so frustrated right now. <laughs> she's at that point. That's exactly where she's living and she does this to Jesus. But if you and I are completely honest, so do we. 
We do it to Jesus and we do it to our spouses and we do it to our kids and we do it to extended family and none of us should be proud of it. And I'm not speaking to, to people who can't relate. I'm also speaking to myself because I live there. I am not perfect in, in how I respond all the time. And I look at this and go, God, what is going on in my life? What is going on in our lives that we can do some level of inventory to own the fact that we wear busyness as a badge and then when a bridge gets burned, we're surprised by it. We should know. It's why in the world that we live in right now, trying to find counselors, because mental health is, is I mean, you're talking like red flags. It ain't just yellow flags and orange, it's red flags. People that are so overwhelmed that they take on a new problem, an addiction, an issue. They burn all kinds of bridges. And what do I do? And somebody finally says, go to a counselor. And we call and the counselors are busy. They're booked. They're only, you go, well, there's not enough of them. Well, that, that could be part of it. But the other part of it is there are more and more people that don't know how to handle what's going on. Is that you? Is that me? Lord, don't you care? She's left me to do it by myself. Tell her to help me. And then Jesus, Martha, Martha. And you can put your name right there. Nick, Nick. You are worried and upset about many things. I would wager that that's most of us in the room. Worried and upset about all kinds of stuff so much so that it is impacting our spiritual dynamic. We're not healthy. Because you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed one. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, but this is one of those examples where the conversation is bottom lined. Here's the bottom line. Here's what you need, and maybe you don't even know it. And the answer here is Mary. You need time with Jesus. You need time with Jesus. When was the last time you stopped and invited the spirit of Jesus to do some inventory in you? When was the last time you stopped and went, God, the way that I've been living, is there anything going on in the last 24 hours, in the last week, in the last month that I need to navigate because something's off? Lord, would you reveal to me what to do and how to do it? And by the way, I'm a believer that there's a relationship that we have with our heavenly father that he cares enough to show us but we have to be humble enough to listen. Humble enough to do what he asks us to do. And some of us are really stubborn. And I'll look this way. Sorry, you just walked in. I wasn't looking at you. I wasn't looking at Josh. Some of you need to deal with this. No, I just, uh, poor guys on the queue. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That was horrible timing, okay. But honestly, some of us really are, we're stubborn. And some of you know the whisper of the Holy Spirit has already said what he needs to say. And now you gotta walk it out. Humility, grace, the strength enough to do the right thing now. Let, let me say that I realize you could go, well, I'm busy, but here's the thing. Like we, we mortgage and recession and all these realities, you feel the weight of all of that. And I get that stuff. But I go back to, would Jesus say, then just enjoy your anxiety. Then just enjoy your dread all the time. Then just live with that. Eventually those also will get the best of you. 
We know Jesus wouldn't say that. Listen to me. What he challenges us to is get away. Pull ourselves away. And for some in this room, it means you need to decrease your level of living. It means you're living at such a level expense-wise that it requires the overtime or it requires the dual. And I, you go, well, dual income, that's just life. Man, I wanna challenge that because for some people, it's not true. There's just certain things you constantly are buying or certain debt you're constantly living, certain ways that are just making it harder. I was gonna say it. I want you to have peace. I want you to have margin. I put a sticky note on my wall a couple of months ago that says this, you are the most kind when you have the most margin. And I put it on my wall because there was a few moments where I could feel myself being short. Short-tempered, not short. I know I'm short. But like, I, I, I put it there because I'm like, you know what? How do I operate in a healthy way? And that's a reminder to me. You and I desperately need the Holy Spirit. And I want to challenge every one of us to invite the Holy Spirit to do a work that in some ways only he can do. God, we need your spirit to not blow our top. God, we need your spirit to give us wisdom on how to live. God, we need your spirit to navigate this tough circumstance. God, we need your spirit to reveal to us how to get through this season without blowing up every bridge around us. Jesus says, Mary has chosen. Everybody say chosen. Mary has chosen that which is better and it won't be taken from her. It's a choice. It's a choice. And that's a challenge. I want to, don't, please don't excuse it. This is just my life. That can't be the life God intended. It can't be. And I need you to hear that because some of you just keep going. Stop. I mentioned Sanders Stanley a little bit ago. Andy Stanley, I wrote, I read, I read, wrote, I read this book years ago called Choosing to Cheat. It's been renamed if you're looking for, it's a simple, easy book to read. Today it's called When Work and Family Collide. But the premise of the book and the original title, Choosing to Cheat, is in your life something is gonna get cheated. If you spend way too much time at work, your family's getting cheated. And the premise of, of, of the whole book is that idea. But he says this, and I want you to understand this, and this, I'm gonna give you some homework, and then I'm done. But he says this, when you choose to say yes to something, you're automatically saying no to something else. When you choose to say yes, I know that's gonna be a big payment, but I want that car so bad. You say yes to that, you're saying no to something else. When you say yes to certain ways that you, you, you embrace a level of living, you're saying no. When you say yes, even to good things, hey, wanna have you guys over, hey, wanna do this, nothing wrong with that. But when you say yes to that, you're automatically saying no to something else. Not that that's a bad thing, it's just a reality. Here's the follow-up question, I need to wrap this up. What are you accidentally saying no to when you do that? Think about it in your life. What are you accidentally saying no to? Another way to frame it is this. What is getting crowded out that matters more than it should? What is getting crowded out? What, what can you do 
so you can prioritize what matters most. And this is my prayer and this is my homework. I want you to consider over the next six days until next week, we're gonna talk about the Sabbath. Over the next six days, I want you to consider what is it that you're saying yes to and is it the right priority? What are you saying yes to and is it the right priority? Because when you say yes, you're automatically saying no to other things. Jesus, today, I pray you would help us in, in what we sort of call the rat race, or we call the, the getting ahead or climbing the ladder or succeeding in certain ways that God, in so many ways, he becomes a badge. I want this, I get to that, I can't wait to have, I can't wait. And, and, and in so many ways too, what gets crowded out are the things that matters. And I pray for your spirit to, to quicken us. It's not wrong to have goals. It's not wrong to, to climb ladders. It's not wrong to get to certain places. But are we doing it in the context of surrender to you? Are we doing it in the context of, of, of sensitivity to your Holy Spirit? And I pray for every person, no matter the age in this room or online, that God, there will be something in us where we invite your spirit throughout this week. God, where am I saying yes and I shouldn't be? Where are my priorities where they, where they shouldn't be? How do I get things right? that I can live the kind of life you desire. I pray that we would battle this God in a way that we can fight the anxiety, we can fight the tension, we can fight the, the, the craziness and the stress that so many people are trying to live with. Something must change. But I pray for your spirit to reveal in every one of our hearts what that looks like. Show us, God. I believe you will. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.